Good morning. Welcome to Living Water, and uh, it's always good to have just an opportunity to worship together. Uh, friendly faces, some new faces, but it's always good to gather. Um, and I know it's been said, but it's kind of cool to have church on Sunday on Christmas morning, and so I can say Merry Christmas. And it's not like the day before, the day after, it's like right now that we say Merry Christmas and we celebrate the birth of our Savior. You know, Christmas is a season of giving. As Lance mentioned, the gifts that are exchanged, people look forward to that, giving and receiving of the gifts. But uh, we are also reminded during the Christmas season that God is also a giver. Amen? And we celebrate the greatest gift ever given to all of humanity, the gift of a Savior, the gift of a Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you think about it, um, Christmas is God's gift of love to us. Now, I don't know if you struggle with this, but I think sometimes we take things for granted. Anybody else do that? You know what I'm talking about? Just imagine for a moment you receive a gift and you're in your home and you got all your family gathered around and you open it up and it's cool, but you don't really understand what it is. And so you're like, hey, this is a cool gift. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. And then someone else in the room that knows what it is that you're holding says, dude, do you know what you're holding? And you're like, no, it's cool, but no, 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 let me tell you what it does. And then they start explaining all of these things that it does, and they start telling you how it's going to change your life and how everyone in town is wishing they had the gift that you're holding right now. And all of a sudden you're like, well, well that was a pretty cool gift. Right? It just changes your perspective. I think sometimes we can do that when it comes to the things of the faith, when it comes to the love of God. Does God love us? Yeah, I know God loves us, but do we really understand and really appreciate the gift of God's love to us? And so today, I want to unwrap God's gift of love with a non-traditional passage of Scripture um, in 1 John chapter 4. We're used to reading the narratives in Luke and, and Matthew and maybe a little in, in John chapter 1 and verse 14. Uh, but today, using 1 John chapter 4, maybe unwrap this gift of God's love this morning. Here's my, my hope. I hope that today we can just, like the person holding the gift, maybe not completely understanding how awesome it is, just gain a little bit more of a revelation, a sense of awe and wonder of what genuine love is, and also how it benefits our life, what it does for us, and most importantly, what are we supposed to do with it? Like we're holding this amazing gift of love, what do we do with that gift of love? And so with that in mind, 1 John chapter 4, let's read this together, verse 7 through 21, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Did you catch it? Verse 9, there's Christmas. God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, so this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice or a propitiation to take away our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to, the, to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. 
And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment when we stand face before him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we or how are we able to love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather, to celebrate your gift of love to us. Lord, my heart's prayer this morning is that you would open our eyes. Let us not be like the person that receives this amazing, valuable gift and underappreciates it or takes it for granted. But help us all to tune in to what you might want to reveal to us today and just get a, a greater glimpse of how awesome your genuine love for us is. And Lord, as a result, I pray that it would just encourage us in our faith and we would grow more and more in that love that you have for us. And so as we look and unwrap your gift of love to us this morning, I ask that you would just give us ears to hear, eyes to see what it is that you might want to share with us today. And I ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. So on our calendars, we usually mark out some big days. Christmas Day, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. On Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. There's another special one that we like. You know, if you're in love with your spouse or your girlfriend, it comes around in February. February 14th to be exact, it's called what? Oh, the season of love, amore, right? It might surprise you that a study was done a while back and it showed that when it came to guys popping the question to the girls, and this is 2022, so sometimes it's the girls popping the question to the guys, that the most popular day to do that is on Christmas Eve. And so I thought that was kind of cool because on Facebook yesterday, I actually saw uh, some proposals and I was like, oh, it's because it's the number one day to do that. So young ladies, if you're here today and it didn't happen yesterday, I got good news for you. Because the second most popular day to get the question popped to you is today. So there's still time. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, I, I got good news. Because the third most popular day to propose is New Year's Day. So next week, I mean, there's still time. And fourthly, the fourth most popular day is the day that we call the season of love, Valentine, Valentine's Day. So I share that to say this. Christmas is also a season of love. Amen. In fact, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's called the love chapter. This that we just read is considered the second love chapter, written by the Apostle John, known as the Apostle of Love, talking to us about the love of God and the need for us to love one another. And so I think as we, um, it's appropriate for us to focus and to celebrate love in this Christmas season. And so um, in this letter, John lays out the word love. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but the word love was pretty repetitive in those 15 verses. And the New, can't even talk, the New Living Translation, um, 28 times in those 15 verses, we see the word love. And so it's the theme there. And the sad thing is in our English language, the word love is just kind of used um, for everything, isn't it? So for instance, I love calzones and paleos. They're really good over there, right? Um, I love fajitas. Now, I love Dr. Pepper. I love Milwaukee Tools. I mean, there's, I could go on and on. I love my wife. 
Mm, I don't love my wife like I love my Milwaukee tools because it's a pretty close second. I mean, I really like them, but, <laughs> but I love my wife. And there's just not a, a word in our English language to just kind of give us those little levels of how much we love. Like, I don't love fajitas as much as I love my wife. That would be messed up, right? I mean, I love my wife, but we use the word love just kind of universally for all things. In the Greek language, they had about four words that they used to describe the different variants, if you will, of love and, and, and how they responded to different things. And so the one word that was not used a whole lot in the, the time in which Christ walked, before the New Testament was written, there was this one word that just wasn't used hardly at all. And then when the New Testament is written, we find it over 300 times in the Scriptures in the New Testament. And the word is a word that we're familiar with in church. It's called agape. It's like the writers of the New Testament found this word that wasn't used a whole lot outside of Scripture. And they said, hey, we're trying to describe the love of God and how he responds to man. And, and we just got to find the right word that's fitting for a God that loves his people like he does. And we can't just say he loves them. We're going to use the word agape. And so they gave this word agape, which means to esteem or to regard with affection or Loving concern, it's translated as love. It's a genuine love. And so when we consider this love that we're unwrapping, this love that comes from God, this gift of his love, let's not look at it through the world's filter of what love is. Because the love that comes from God is not an emotional love. It's not a situational love. I mean, if everything's going right, then I'll show you my love. The love that comes from God is a, a pretty powerful, genuine love. And I'm so grateful for that. Amen? So God's love is a genuine love. So the source of this love. Look at verse 7 again. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And so this genuine love, not the worldly love, but this love, agape love, it says it comes from God, he is the source. He goes on to say, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He's like, not only does this love come from God, but it's his very nature. You want to say, what is God like? God is love. God is love. And so it's like he's giving us the gift of himself when he gives us this gift of love. Are you following me? This genuine, perfect, to regard with affection, this loving concern, this love that comes from God, comes from his very nature. It's as though he's giving himself to us as a gift. God is love. The words, God is love, are well worth all the languages in earth or heaven. G.S. Barrett says it this way. He says, the greatest words ever spoken in human speech, the greatest words in the whole Bible, it is impossible to suggest, even in briefest outline, all of these words, that what they contain. For no human and no created intellect has ever or ever will fathom their unfathomable meaning. But we may reverently say that this one sentence concerning God contains the key to all of God's works and way. The mystery of creation, redemption, and the being of God himself. God is love. So as we unwrap God's gift of love, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Maybe you came in here and you're like, yeah, God's love is cool. But, I mean, hopefully we're like, hey, man, that's, that's pretty epic. That's a pretty cool love. This genuine love that comes from God. And so 
I'm going to ask the question next, how does it benefit us? I mean, what does it do for us? Well, it continues. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us. God showed. That's a, a verb. It's an action. In fact, you can't see it in the translation that's in English because we just see the word love, 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 love. But if you look into the Greek um, scriptures underneath this, you will see that it's the form agape and agapeo, which is the verb form of the same love. And so it's like, here's what love is, and here's what love does. So say this with me, because I think sometimes we forget love is a verb. Oh, you can say that with me. Love is a verb. It's an action, right? So we have the definition. This is what love is, agape, love, this genuine affection to care for someone in this way. But let us not stop there. Love is also active. Love is a verb. I am so thankful that God in heaven didn't just look down and say, I love those guys so much. Aren't they so cute? Look at that one over there. That's awesome. And never expressed it. How sad that would be. But we know that he expressed his love for us by Christmas, by sending Jesus as the Savior of the world. Amen? And in Romans says it this way, God demonstrated or he manifested or he made it clear, made it known to you and me how he loved us and that while we were sinners, he died for us. Christ died for us. I'm so thankful that this benefit of this love is that God expresses his love to us it is a verb. And here's an important thing that we need to know. Verse 10, notice this. It says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Did you catch it? God's love for mankind is not in response to their love for him. If that were the case, we wouldn't be feeling much love from God today, would we? What he's saying is, God's love for humanity is not because humanity was good enough or like, hey, look at how much they're loving me. In return, I think I will love them back. No, 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 no. While we were filthy, while we were in the middle of our sin, while we were completely ignoring and oblivious to him, it says God loved. He loved first. Isn't that cool? What a beautiful benefit that when we weren't looking his way and showing love his way, he was loving on us, he expressed his love and he demonstrated it by sending Jesus to die on the cross. That's the reason Jesus came, by the way, as a little baby. He humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, lived a perfect life, lived about, I don't know, 33 years or so, gave up his life on the cross. That's the whole reason he came in that little manger on Christmas. God's expression of this genuine, perfect love toward you and me. That's a benefit. You may not recognize that, but it is. So how did he express it? Well, it says, he showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. Again, verb, he sent his one and only son. He didn't say, just say, I love everybody, but he showed it by sending Jesus. And what a great, great move of love, if you will, that he showed by sending his only begotten son into the world. John three sixteen. what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave. That's a verb, right? That he gave what? His only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What are the, the benefits of God sending Jesus? Well, this is the, the thing that I believe is really cool. Christmas is God sending Jesus. But how does it benefit us? I think it benefits us in at least three tenses. And by tenses, I mean past, present, and future. Right? So I can remember in my mind, in my life, whenever I placed my faith in Christ. 
I can go back to that moment when I said, Lord, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess that, and I ask that you'll forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of my unrighteousness, and, and make me a part of your family. Here I am, God. I remember that. That was a long time ago. The good news affected my life in a powerful way in the past, right? Even you go beyond that, way before I was ever even a twinkle in my mom and my daddy's eyes, love says that he died on the cross for all of us. That's a pretty good demonstration of his love, way, way, way back in the past, amen? So the benefit to you and to me in the past is that once we place our faith in him, from that moment we, are, we have eternal life. Not one day we'll have eternal life, but we have it now. We're just waiting, it's kind of like layaway. We're just waiting for him to come pick us up. But we benefit from his love. When we place our faith in him, we have eternal life. And something else that it says, um, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation. It's a, a big word that you don't hear a lot every day. And some people are like, well, what does propitiation mean? And it's, um, I guess the easiest way to say it would be the turning away of wrath by means of an offering. The, the turning away of wrath by means of an offering. So think about it this way. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And being a just God, he cannot look upon sin and just ignore it. He has to deal with it as a God of just, that's just, right? And so in this one verse, we see that God's love for humanity, that he sent Jesus for eternal life, but also to take care of a sin problem and propitiation was God's turning away his own wrath toward mankind by means of an offering. Anybody want to guess what that offering was? Jesus. And so in one Christmas, God's sending his only begotten son so that we that would believe in him would have eternal life and also be forgiven at that moment. The wrath of God. It's like God is protecting us from his own wrath. God being a holy God that can't look upon sin says, I've got to do something about the sin problem. I love them, but I've got to do. I'm a holy and just God. I have to deal with this. Hey, I know. I'm going to send Jesus. It says before the foundations of the earth, so it wasn't like an afterthought. He says, I'm going to send Jesus, and Jesus is going to take the sins of the whole world on him, and he's going to be crucified in their place. And that offering is going to appease my wrath. It's going to turn away my wrath from them so I can show them love. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The benefits of this genuine, perfect love, eternal life, propitiation, forgiveness of sins. That's in the past. What about right now? What about in the present? Verse 13, it says, And God has given us his spirit <clears throat> as proof that we live in him and he in us. I love that. When you place your faith in Christ, he's given you his spirit. Uh, other scriptures say that it's a guarantee um, until the day of redemption, right? It's a seal, like, hey, you're mine, and I'm putting my seal on you, and at the end of it all, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get you. The Holy Spirit is a seal in us until the day of redemption. Isn't it comforting to know that the decision I made for me personally years ago still benefits me today by knowing that he lives in me, and he's given me his spirit to live in me? And the same thing is true, too, of you if you've placed your faith in Christ. He benefits us today. This love still benefits us in the present because he gives us his spirit. It says, we live in him and he in us. Verse 15 says, all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows 
more perfect. Our, our love grows. Do you catch that? So as we're analyzing this gift, unwrapping the gift of God's love, it's like this is an awesome gift that God has given to all humanity, presented, right? And the benefits are like, wow, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, his presence in my life right now, his peace, his power in my life right now. That's pretty cool in the present. But it doesn't just benefit me in the past and the present, but also in the future. Notice in verse 17, the, the latter part of it says, So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Talking about this love that's in us, the benefits of God's love. He says that one day there's going to be a judgment that comes. And for those who place their faith in Jesus, he says we can stand with confidence on that day of judgment. That's a pretty cool benefit of this pretty powerful love, isn't it? My Milwaukee tools don't do that. They're pretty cool in the present. But you know, I've used some of those things. I'm like, where was this at 10 years ago when I really needed it? It did me no good in the past. And guess what? One of these days when I close my eyes in death, I can't take them with me. Probably not going to have any need for them in heaven. Like the guy that passed away and he was stuffing, before he passed away, he was putting gold in his pockets and he was thinking he could take it to heaven and he gets to heaven and they said, look at this guy. He brought road material, asphalt, if you will. The streets are paved in gold and the guy brings the equivalent of asphalt to heaven. Anyways, I don't think that's uh, doctrinally true or not, but it's just a funny joke. So, <laughs> Past, present, and future. Name something else that does that. God is love. The love of God is a powerful, powerful thing. Are you, are you admiring the gift? Are you realizing just how special this gift that he has presented to you, that you, if you've placed your faith in him, are holding in your hands like, wow, this is pretty special, isn't it? So the bigger question is, is what, do we, what do we do with a gift like that? I mean, it's a pretty amazing love, and it's a love that benefits us greatly. What do we do with that gift? He goes on. <clears throat> To say, dear friends, um, beloved is, is the word used there. And it's not directly, but indirectly, it's speaking of people who've placed their faith in Jesus. Like, hey, brothers, hey, beloved, dear friends, since God, who's amazing, loved us, this is the verb form, agapeo, since God demonstrated this love to us like this, we surely ought to love one another. The first thing we should do is receive it. Amen? That, that, that package is presented, that love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, say whosoever, because that's a very important term, whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so this gift of love is presented to us, and God's just like, hey, I love you so much. I want you to take it. I want you to experience forgiveness and, and, and love and eternal life and my presence and power and peace in your life. I really want you to take this, this gift. So the most important decision we'll ever make, and I've said this many, many times in this church, is to place our faith in Jesus. The word is pistevo, means to believe. And it doesn't mean just with a head knowledge, yeah, I believe, I understand, but it means to rely on, to trust in. Much like you sat down in that chair today and you weren't concerned about it falling out underneath you. You had a blind faith there, if you will. You sat in that chair with the faith. And that's the same thing. It's like we put our hope, our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's the most important thing we do. But the second part, I think the harder part of this whole message, and at least for me, maybe none of you struggle with it, 
But what do we do with this kind of love? Well, we, we're supposed to share it. David mentioned this a few weeks back in one of his sermons. like the love of God is supposed to flow through us, not like a bucket where we hold on to it, but like a, a conduit where it goes through us and it affects other people. And so this love that God so epically lavished on us, he said, hey, now I want you to take that kind of love, it's a big order, and I want you to show that love to other people. I struggle with that. Confession time. I really, really do well at loving people who love me. But I found that even in people that love me, if one time they don't show love to me, oh, I can shut that off like a water spigot. And maybe you can too, right? And he says, hey, wait, I want you to love them like I loved you. Well, I'll remind you that one of the ways he loved us was before we loved him, he loved us. And so that really gets even more technical when you're looking at someone that you don't like. You're like, that person's unlovable. But he says, yeah, but the way I loved you was, you remember, I loved you before you loved me. And so you should love them before they give you any reason to love back. And so love them. <laughs> and, and on top of that, it's a command. Verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, they're tangible, they're in front of us, how can we, he says, how are we even able to love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must love their fellow believers. So, what are we to do with it? We're to receive it, we're to share it. And that's a pretty difficult thing from time to time, isn't it? But here it is in a nutshell. If you want to just to take away of what I believe all this is about, here it is. God is the source of genuine love. He expressed his love to us at Christmas, even before we even thought about loving him. And so he wants us to receive his gift of love, and he wants us to express his genuine love to other people. And so this Christmas, as we consider the joy and the wonder. And what is special about the Christmas day, let it be a reminder of, is God's gift of love to us. And he said, hey, this is a gift that I don't want you to take and just put it on a shelf, admire it once a year, or whenever it's, you know, good for you, a good time for you, but this is something that I want all of humanity to experience, and I'm going to choose to do it through you. And so if you take this amazing, epic love and you unwrap it and receive it to yourself and you allow it to be working through you to other people the way I want you to do it, here's what's going to happen. The whole world is going to know that you belong to me. You know what's crazy about that? That's not natural to love people that don't love us. It's not natural to love the unlovable people, the ones that haven't shown us love first. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And when we learn to walk in that love and we learn to display that love, it doesn't mean that we, we can't correct. It doesn't mean that we don't you know, disagree with someone. It doesn't even mean we can't debate with people. But what it means is that we love those people the way he loved us. Amen? And he says, and when you do that, the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. What a precious gift, the gift of God's love. And so the question this morning is, have you unwrapped that gift of love for yourself? Now, I want to assume that I'm preaching to the choir this morning and everyone has done that. But the reality is, is there's probably somebody who's not done that yet because they have a struggle with this whole idea that God would just give that away. 
Surely it's got to be harder than that. Surely there's got to be something else to it. It just doesn't make sense that God would send his son to down the cross for my sins and then offer it as a free gift of grace for anyone who believes. There's got to be more. And so we try to you know, bargain with God and say, well, here's what I need to do. That's too easy and it doesn't seem right. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to live my life in a way that when I get before God, one day he's going to have to let me in. Because I went to church all the time or because I tithed or I did some nice things in the community or I memorized a few verses in the Bible, whatever it may be, we just add all these things. And if I just do, you know, we're called human beings, not human doings, right? And we try to bargain with God. And the reality is it is a gift of God's grace and it's not by works so that no one can brag about it. God's gift of love to you and me. And so as hard as it may be to wrap your mind around it, he's just saying, whosoever will. And there's some people that say, you know what, That's that. That, that love is reserved for only God's special people. He has this general love for some, but a salvific love for others. I can't find that in the Bible. What I see is agape, love. For God so loved the world. Not just a few people, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, not just a certain group, right? Jesus, when he was... Leaving Jerusalem before his crucifixion, it says he looked over Jerusalem and he lamented, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that stones the prophets. He goes, how I longed, Jesus, God in the flesh, I longed to gather you like a, a hen gathers the chicks under its wings, but you weren't willing. And so what I want you to hear is he longs for us to receive the gift. He longs for us to come to the knowledge of the gospel and trust our, place our faith and trust in what he's offered to us. If you unwrap the gift, Christian, do you really realize what it is that you hold in your life? If you place your faith in Christ and we talk about the love of God, do we really understand? Dude, do you know what you're holding? Do you know how awesome it is? Do you know what it's capable of doing for your life? Do you know the benefits of the love of God that he's bestowed upon you? Yes, you. Do you know? And what should the response be? Whew. Humble gratitude. Amen? But I don't know about you, but I know me, and I know I don't deserve any of that. Don't say amen. Unless you're talking about you. Respond to his love and gratitude. God, thank you so much for your love. It's a crazy love. Thank you for your love. Receive it. And express it. And I, and I think this is the biggest challenge for each one of us today is admitting that, hey, you know what? I don't always hit this part right. I don't always show obedience because it's a command. It's not if you feel like it, if you get around to it, if the situation's right and the, you know, the conditions are all met, then, then you can show forgiveness and you can express love. No, no, no. None of that's there, church. He just tells us to love people. So I'd say for some of us, maybe it's repentance. God, I... Please forgive me for being disobedient there. I know what you tell me to do, and I just struggle with that. And somehow I think sometimes we know what's better than God knows. And so maybe it's repentance, just saying, God, I, I'm sorry. Give me the ability to love those before they give me a reason to love them. The ones that wear me out, give me a reason. Give me an ability to do that. And remember that he loved us first, and we should also pass that along with other people and love them as well. Maybe for some it's a specific specific person that just came to your mind you're like oh great you just ruined Christmas for me Shane no I didn't no I didn't because here's what I know 
When God puts stuff like that on your heart and when we respond in obedience, he blesses that obedience. And some cool stuff happens. And we just grew a little bit more in that perfect love. Right? That cast out all fear. And I've shared this story before, but I know there have been times when we've been hurt by other people. And, and my um, religious, solid, doctrinal background is like, rain on them. It's not the right way, by the way. My wife says, you know what? I think I'm supposed to make them food and take it to their house. I'm like, you are out of your ever-loving mind. You don't do that kind of stuff. So God put that person on her heart, and she responded in obedience and showed them love when they weren't showing love to us. And I just know from experience, mostly my wife's not mine because God's still working on me there, as I mentioned. But when we act out in obedience to what he's called us to do, he rewards that. And so I don't know, this Christmas season, we mentioned before, it's a stressful time for some, but it really is the most wonderful time of the year. Let us reflect on his perfect gift of love to you and to me. Receive it, grow in it, and learn how to overcome some of those difficulties that we have in the flesh, you know, that thing called obedience and disobedience. Let's learn how to grow in that and say, God, I, I know it doesn't feel right. It's, it's, it doesn't come naturally to me. It is a supernatural thing to be able to show that kind of love. Give me the ability to do the same just as you've done for me. And I just believe that when we do that, some great, great things can happen. And I don't know about you, but have you noticed the world needs a little bit more love today? It needs love. Now, I'm not saying that it needs us to affirm all the sin that's going on around us in this world, but the world needs love. And he's chosen us to receive it and to send it. How will we do? Father, thank you for your gift of love. Thank you for the amazing gift of your love that we take for granted. I know I do. Lord, in seasons like this, when we just analyze and look at and reflect on how crazy your love is for all of mankind, that though they didn't deserve it, though they were running the opposite direction, Lord, we were running in the opposite direction, and you expressed your love for us by sending Jesus. And we celebrate it every year saying, Merry Christmas. And I don't think we truly understand the depth, the value of your love. So God, I pray that you would just open our hearts and minds to, to grow a little bit more in our understanding. And I pray that the response for us would be, first off, just gratitude and worship. God, thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for demonstrating that love to us. When it's unnatural in our own abilities and our humanity and our culture to, to show hate and to show a frustration and all that stuff, but to, for you to show us love is a supernatural thing. And I thank you for showing that to us. And I just simply ask that you give us the ability God, to do the same. That's going to look different for different people. But Lord, as we leave this place today and as we walk this stuff out tomorrow and the next day and, and, and we just try to make it to the end of a year and then a new one starts over again, help us to do it with the perspective this morning that you've given us a command to walk in that type of love and that we might be able to be a little bit more patient. And God, if we struggle with what that love looks like in action, we just need to turn to 1 Corinthians 13 because you lay it out beautifully. It's patient, it's kind, keeps no records of wrongs. God, would you help us to walk in that love and express that love? Lord, to our families, our friends, and our community, online, however we may um, just interact with people, your perfect love, Lord, working through us, so when the world looks at us, they know that we belong to you. Thank you for the gift of your son. Would you be honored in our lives, Lord, today as we 
just continue living it out until we, we expect your return. Lord, we want to live in a way that honors you. So God, help us to take those steps of obedience. Help us to respond in worship and gratitude. And I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.